Welcome to FNI Performance Podcast, powered by SimTech Dealer Services, your source for everything FNI. Real talk, real experts, real results. Here's your host, Jason Harris. Hey, 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 what's going on, FNI Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining me on another episode of the FNI Performance Podcast, sponsored by SimTech Dealer Services. That's my best radio announcer voice. I, it's, I've been practicing, and I hope that's cool with you guys <laughs> today. Today, I have two very special guests with me. I have both Zoe and Kendall with me, and we get to talk about my oh-so-favorite topic, training and development. So we're going to have a lot of fun today. Thank you, ladies, for taking the time to jam with me today. Thank you for having us. Hey, uh, before we kind of kick off the podcast, I think it'd be fun to uh, start off with a couple origin stories. So, um, Zoe, I'll, I'll start with you. How did you get started in this crazy little world we call the automotive industry? Oh, geez. Uh, Jason, I've been in this business for just over 25 years. Uh, I actually started, I was going to college and uh, I needed a summer job. So my mom actually worked at a body shop. I started, she got me hooked up at uh, UAP Auto Parts, and I was a parts driver. So they called us the Napa Kittens, and they were very strategic hiring these young girls to deliver the auto parts. And unfortunately, I didn't go back to school because I started getting, you know, some more pocket money than usual. And I got in the auto that way by, and then went from there to, I worked at a few car dealerships, three in the total of 25 years. And uh, the rest is history. After I'd finished my element in my car dealerships, whether it was the service department, parts driver, F&I, and what have you, I got in contact with SimTech because they were one of my providers as a previous business manager. And I heard such a great news. I knew a few people that worked there, and I've been with SimTech now four years. Wow. Awesome. That's that's yeah. really cool. You know, though, I do find our a lot of our journeys into this industry is quite similar. We kind of tumble our way into it. Um, the money is usually what kind of gets us stuck into it. And then, then it kind of gets into your blood. And then it's really hard to get it out. Once you're kind of in automotive, you're just you're in it. Um, Kendall, for yourself, how did you get started in the business? Yeah, so kind of similar to Zoe. Um, I graduated university in 2010. So it was kind of, it was time to get a, a big girl job. Um, and it was a funny story. Actually, my father was in an Acura dealership talking to the sales manager, just talking about family and what's going on. And he happened to mention that I was looking for a job. And at the time that sales manager had met me a few times and said, tell her to bring her resume in. I think she'd be great in sales. So sure enough, Brought my resume in, started selling cars, did that for about two and a half years, and then moved into the business office for another two and a half years, and then joined SimTech in 2015. So it's been a good 10 years now. That's that's so cool. Uh, you know what? It, it's cool to be able to work a couple different positions, you know, at the dealership, you know, because you, you get that. I call that operational experience. And I find when you, when you have that, you know, training and developing someone from the kind of been there, done it, you know, is far, far different than just training straight out of a manual. I mean, I've, I've had the opportunity to meet many, many different trainers, you know, over, over my, um, over my career. And you can definitely tell immediately the ones that have been there in the trenches had done the work 
boy, they come, their knowledge just comes from a, a deeper place. And I feel like it's just, it's so much better for the end user. So, uh, so speaking of training and development, cause that is, <clears throat> excuse me, it is going to be the, the topic of our, of our podcast today. I, there are just so many different training techniques. You know, and, I, and I'm always finding out about new ones, which is really kind of exciting, right? Um, I'm curious, I want to kind of start off for you guys is, you know, what are some of the different training techniques you use? And, you know, from your experience, because um, I, I find everyone has a different opinion on this, is which one is most beneficial? Um, Zoe, I'll start with you and then Kendall, I'll ask you the same question. Absolutely. I'm finding that what's really beneficial is not only like we offer as trainers or people or developing or business managers, is that where there's so many different techniques, whether it's virtual training we offer. And, you know, it seems like we're talking to you through, you know, our Zoom calls and things like that. And more people are doing that, you know, older people are getting out of their comfort zone. And that's the whole thing is getting out of your comfort zone. Uh, figuring out new ways of what's new and upcoming and riding that wave. Uh, with also the Zoom training, you know, we have in classes in at our head office in Richmond Hill, as well as the other biggest advantage I feel is the fact that we're developing and we're learning from each other. So not only we have multiple different stores that we go to in different brands, it's not just structured to one type of brand, but we're still learning as district managers from our business managers, because we've all been in their shoes. So the fact is that they're giving us tips and we're learning from them and they're learning from us and we're able to exercise the new thoughts and training habits to our other stores, which is very unique. That, that is really unique. And, and I actually think probably the, one of the most beneficial ways to create kind of a, a program, right? I mean, I find, you know, let's face it guys there's some training programs out there that hasn't changed in 35 years yet the industry and the customer has changed so much you know since then so it, it, it's really cool to hear from a company that their their training and their development programs are kind of this almost like an organic organism that's kind of adapting and adjusting based on the information and feedback you guys are getting. That's super cool. Hey, Kendall, for yourself, again, like I said, a lot of different techniques. Everyone's kind of got a different opinion as far as what's more beneficial. What, do you, what are your thoughts? Absolutely. So, I mean, the one thing that I know our business managers absolutely love, and we do it as well, is role play. Um, you know, you say those two words and they look at you like, oh, no, really again? Um, but I do find with role play, even if they're knocking it out of the park and doing a fantastic job, when you role play with somebody, you can really find an area of opportunity. And then at the end, you know, it's kind of that moment where, you know what, you're right. And I, and I do see the value in it. Um, and you know what, it goes back with, with anything, with repetition. Look at these professional athletes. Just because they won the hockey game last night doesn't mean they're not going to go to practice tomorrow morning and do drills, right? And that's the example I often use for with my business managers is, guys, we have to role play because this is what's going to keep you at the top of your game. So um, role play is definitely my favorite technique, and I know Zoe can speak to that as well. Product knowledge as well. Um, even if they've been selling our products for a number of years, again, you start to lose things. So if we can continue to practice with them and do product knowledge tests, knowledge is power. And that's what I often say to them, right? So if you're trying to handle an objection, the more you know about the product, the, the better you're going to be able to overcome that. So those are my two favorite. So 
And it is all, it all comes down to practice, right? I mean, it really is. First dealership I I, I worked at, um, they had a a horrible like technique, but it worked, Um, was, you know, every single morning, you know, as, as a salesperson, you had to come in and role play with a sales manager and execute the meet and greet verbatim before you can hit the floor. Now, this was in the US, laws are a little different and get away with a few more things, but if you couldn't hit it that morning, verbatim, you got sent home. That was it. Like, okay, you're not allowed to sell today. You're you're off, you know. And I used to I used to hate my manager for making me do this. I mean, the the two words come out role play. I'm like I'm one of those people that kind of like squeeze into the background. I'm like, "No." <laughs> you know, but now I'm older. I'm a little wiser, got a few more years of experience under my belt. And you know what? I learned so much from just the repetition of role playing and practicing with, you know, with the coworkers that, you know, I probably got more, more benefit in doing that, you know, than I ever did anything else. Now, the kicker is, is getting the staff to want to role play. I'm curious if you guys have any tips or tricks on this um, because that's the question I normally get asked, right? They're like, Jay, like, I'm going to get my team to do this role playing, but I get like half of them want to do it. And then I get kind of the older guys that have been around for a while. They're kind of like, you know, F off. I'm not going to do this. You know, (laughs) how do you make it fun? Okay, Zoe, let's start with you, Zoe, and then Kendall will ask you too. So Zoe, how do you you get the team to role play? Absolutely, because it is it can be tough at times, right? It's like pulling teeth. But at the end of the day, I try and make it fun for them, right? And I, I set expectations. I said, you know, I use tangible items or things to do, like just to get it out of the way at first. Like, okay, uh, t- tell me how you're going to sell me the cell phone. Just things like that that like they can connect to, because um, that's the whole part of us in this auto business is we always try and find a little piece of something to connect to that person. So with us in a training technique as well is you know we need to connect to our business managers. So having them and I always say, okay, just watch me learn from me, I'll go first, and get that out of the way. And by us going first, I think it takes the anxiety and the unknown for that person, or that person we're working with to understand what we're doing and to say, hey, it's not so bad. Do I sound like a robot? No, I don't. I will say to them, all my business managers as well, I always leave them with every single day, you know what, if you're feeling you haven't had a deal in a couple days and you want to be on your A game, just bring out your notes in your book and just read it in the morning before you actually start your shift or your on shift or in your downtime. Just read it over quickly. We still do it. We're still learning ourselves. So, you know, there's times, you know, we haven't been able to do a show me or sit in a deal and we've got to do it as well. So it's like we're all in the same boat here. We're here to help you. No, and I think that's key. I mean, I think I think for a trainer, I mean, definitely if I'm going to hire a trainer, it's something that I'm looking for is someone that's willing to, you know, do it themselves. You know, they were say like, look, I know this is uncomfortable. All right, let me jump up there. Let me kind of fumble my own way through it so that we can show that we can all be collectively uncomfortable with each other, but doing it together and the reputation of doing it together, we all get better, right? You know, Kendall, for you, any tips and tricks on how you get a team to uh, role play? Yeah, so kind of the same as Zoe. I mean, it's always 
they don't want to do it at first. So I kind of jump in and say, listen, I'll be the business manager. You be the customer. Right. So, and that tends to calm their nerves a little bit. And then what I'll also say is, Hey, listen, if, if we can do this role play and you can be at a hundred percent, we don't have to do it next month. Right. So, um, and I mean, nine times out of 10, they're all around that 94, 95%, which is fantastic. Um, but it just goes to also show that they're not 100%. So there is some area, some room to work on some things, right? Um, and then, yeah, again, it's, you know, if, if you don't want to role play, then I'm going to sit in on your turnover, which we end up doing as well. Um, but some of them are just more comfortable knowing that we're sitting in the corner and they're having the one-on-one with the customer versus us sitting right in front of them. So it's really just finding their comfort level and working with them. And the other thing is, as I always say, I don't want you to do it how you think I want to hear it. I want you to do it how you're doing it with your customers, right? Because that's the biggest thing. Because if they try to do it the verbatim, which is how we want it, sometimes they come off a little robotic. Whereas as soon as you say, I want you to do it how you do it, you can kind of see their shoulders drop. And just like Zoe mentioned, and you know what, then we learn a few things from them as well. Um, as long as they're keeping the core values behind it, they have the most practice, right? So it's just, you have to find different comfort levels with different business managers and see what works best for them. No, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think, um, you know, getting that individual that you're training or developing to find their, their, their tonality you know, their, their, their mm-hmm. comfort place where they can have a conversation. You know, I, I've been talking actually to a lot of trainers right now. And because so much of their training efforts are done via video, that uh, they're getting to that place of being comfortable with uncomfortable a lot faster. Because it kind of seems like, well, you're, I'm not in the same place. I'm not in the same building. You know, I'm on this device. And it's like, it seems like they're getting faster. They're just getting to that natural tonality, but but faster. But but I agree with you. It's like, it it's cool sometimes to be a little robotic so that we can nail down those six or seven Absolutely. points that we have to get. But at the end of the day, we have to get them to find that natural tone that they feel comfortable so that they can consistently execute it, right? If we're asking them to execute it, no, it's gotta be done this way every single time, no offense buts about it. That's where I find people really kind of, they pull back into themselves and they don't really want to absorb the training or developing efforts that we're putting into them. Now, um, my, my, kind of my next question for you guys are, you know, is like ongoing training. You know, I, I see some training programs out there that kind of swoop in, you know, and then they kind of swoop back out, you know, and it's it's once a quarter or once a year. Actually, I, I just talked to a dealer principal the other day, um, asked him if I can come in and do one of our strategy sessions. And he's like, no, Jay, we're we're doing our annual training. Like annual? Really? Like, do you do this annual? So I'm, I'm curious with you guys, because I, I understand you guys do this monthly, right? Yes. So, so what are some of the benefits you see with your ongoing monthly visits versus this kind of swoop in, swoop out? Zoe, I'll start with you, and then Kendall, I'll ask you the same question. Well, with the ongoing training, it's like it's holding our business managers accountable, right? So we're setting goals, expectations um, as well with them. And with the ongoing monthly visits, it's, and sometimes it's more than monthly. So sometimes it could be multiple times. It depends on how much that person needs us or we feel that we need, they need a little bit more tweaking or work or their new business manager, right? So, and they look for us and hang on to us for that support. But with the on month or sorry, with the ongoing monthly visits, 
I also feel that the business managers are like they're wanting us to come. There's some that do avoid us. Don't get me wrong, but they're looking for us because I actually have my business managers keep a log of rebuttals in those in roadblocks that they are doing with their customers because some of them are repetitive. And I say, you know, um, you write down what you're wanting from me today. And I will always ask that when we go in there, I set a timeline, uh, the expectations of what's today we're going to work on. So they know what is expected of them. So, but the writing the book thing down is amazing because there's a constant same issue where we can pair it up of how to deal with that situation. There's so many different scenarios out there as we were talking about role playing earlier is we're always learning. Well, I've never heard of that one before. I had a customer say that uh, they had a, a severe migraine and a toothache and they just couldn't, and they just got up and walked out of the office. It's like, okay then. And they never came back. It was like, what just happened here? Right. Yeah. So it's, there's all these weird scenarios and it, well, it's the car business, right? So Nothing is never unheard of. Okay, so that's cool, Zoe. Um, you know, Kendall, for yourself, you know, what are some of the benefits uh, you see with that ongoing, you know, monthly visit versus that in and out, you know, fly in, fly out type concept? So Zoe absolutely nailed it with accountability, um, both on our end and on the business office with our business managers as well. Um, you know, if we're showing up every month, whether it's on the same day you know, the third Thursday of the month, they know that we're coming, they're ready for us, they're prepared. Um, so accountability is definitely the biggest thing. The other thing that I find super beneficial is just staying informed with everything going on. So whether we have set homework with our previous development day, and now we're coming in and following up with them um, on some goals we may have set, and even just knowing what's going on in the industry. Because as you know, within car dealerships, there's always things changing, whether there's something with OMVIC or the banks and, and who's buying what deals right now and those types of things, because that's information that we can share with our other stores. And it also keeps us informed. So it, definitely accountability, setting goals. Um, and of course, the biggest one is areas of opportunity. So with us being in the store on a monthly basis, we're able to see, okay, well, we can work on this and it's gonna increase both your, your average and your products per deal. So, and again, then we hold them to that for the next visit. So there's definitely quite a few things. Um, yeah, that's, our answers are very similar, Zoe and I. You know, with today, um, there's, there's so much importance of building the relationship. And I find that the faster that we can connect and create that relationship with the person or the team that we're training or developing, that's that's when things really get sticky. You know, if, if a trainer just kind of comes in and stands at the front of the classroom and just says, boom, 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 and doesn't really take the time to connect, then, then I find that that training just, it lasts for a few days and then just kind of falls to the wayside, you know? So I'm curious for, for you guys, and Zoe, I'll ask you first, and Kendall, I'll ask you the same questions. Like, how do you build trust with your stores and how do you build that, that, that stronger relationship? Great question, Jason. I think the biggest thing is letting the dealers know we've done the job. You know, um, doing the job, uh, we've all been in that position before, you know, being in the business and how long we all have been in there before. We've seen all varies 
of things happen, but letting them know we, we can actually do it. And by showing the business managers as well, that we can actually build their trust for showing them how to take a show me's like Kendall mentioned before and doing the actual deals for their clients. And then they're like, wow, that's amazing. You know, they learn from us and they know we're not, you know, some young girls, you know, just coming in and telling them to be demanding and saying, you got to do this and this and this structure. Um, it's also setting the goals for them for success. Right. Um, and we want to see that we, we pump them up um, constantly to let them know you can do this, right? Like, let's set your goals. Let's, uh, what do you want from us as uh, being your district manager, right? How can we achieve those together? And doing that with the dealer principal as well, too. It's like, what, what are you looking for us from today's visit? Right. Is there something that you see that we haven't seen? Because we're not in the stores 24 seven. Mind you, we're available 24 <laughs> seven. So. No, but I think that's key that if you're going to build that relationship, you know, with the intent of getting that knowledge to stick more is really kind of setting out those expectations for both parties. Right. Like it, it's identifying, you know, from the dealership's perspective, what's the expectation from me as the trainer or the developer, but then also setting the same expectation going backwards saying like, look, if you want this to work, here's our expectations of you, right? Now that it's totally clear, we can work together to meet those expectations. And that's where I f you find that synergy, that center point, right? You know, Kendall, for yourself, you know, individually, how do you build kind of that trust with the store and get to that point where you can have a stronger relationship? Definitely. I think consistency is huge. Um, you know, not only for our business managers, but our, for our dealers knowing, like Zoe said, that we're always there. It's not, we're in the store once a month and then you're not going to see or hear from us again. It's if you want to call us six, seven times a day. And if you need us to come back into the store, we're going to do it as long as it fits the schedule. Right. So, um, you know, perfect example is there's an emergency in a store and the business manager can't be there they're going to call us and say, Hey, can you come fill in for two days? You know, as long as it's not a long-term assignment. And of course, if we have the flexibility in our schedule, we're going to do it. So, and that goes with, you know, being able to talk the talk, we can go in, take the turnover, print the paperwork and get the car ready for delivery. So, and on the other side of that, at let's say the end of the month, when we all know it's mayhem in stores, reaching out to our business managers and saying, Hey, what do you need help with? Do you need me to come in and help you print paperwork? Do you need me to come in and help you take turnovers? You know, whatever the case is. So as much as we have a training side to us, of course, we are also that helpful hand, both for the business office and for the, and for the management team. So it's just being able to be there for them in whatever capacity they need and being able to do it well. So I think that's a huge thing um, for building trust, right? Like, oh, what do you mean you can enter a deal into dealer track and get everything to match and print the paperwork, right? I know those sound like small things, um, but that's huge. And when a business manager can see that you can not only take a turnover and sell product, but then actually see the deal through from start to finish, it's, uh, it really adds a lot of value to what we do. Well, I think that says a lot about you as a vendor, you know? 
Mm. I mean, look, I get this question asked a lot, you know, through relationship selling is how do you get to that point where you can create that trust factor? And, you know, I find the fastest way to do that is don't just meet the customer's expectations. You need to exceed those customer's expectations. And it's in that space between meeting and exceeding where I find the trust really kind of kicks in. I mean, when I had my store, crap, I wish I had you guys come in and do the training because I tell you right now, I don't think I ever had a vendor out of the, you know, tens and tens of different vendors I used, you know, ever say, hey, Jay, if you ever need help on, you know, on a weekend, call me, I'll come in. I don't think I've ever, (laughs) I've never had that offered. So I think that says a lot about how you're not just meeting those dealerships expectations in the training and development, but you're really willing to go above and beyond as long as the schedule kind of allows you to, is to exceed those expectations. I applaud you guys for that. That's that's actually really super cool. And if I was back in that seat again, I'd probably take you up on it pretty darn fast. So um, kind of with that said though, I am kind of curious though, like like what is a typical like, development training day, you know, look like for you? I mean, Zoe, I'll ask you and then Kendall, I'll ask you the same question. What, what is that day look like for you, Zoe? Absolutely. So what we do is like we first, you know, try and sit with the dealer principal, right, to review any concerns or issues that that he might have going forward or areas that he feels there's a need for. Um, after we review what we think we need to do with the dealer, then we go into the, the business office as, again, we set their goals, expectations of what our plan is for the day. There's, there should always be a plan of what we should do. Yes, does the plan go skewed and do we have to be prepared for that? 110% because, you know, there's interruptions constantly, right? So it's we do the best to stick to our plan, um, but again... Once we go through that, so, you know, role playing with them, taking turnovers, like Kendall said, helping with paperwork, man, there's been times that I've just pushed the business manager out of her, her chair and said, let me just sit in your chair and do it. Right. Like she's frustrated, like Kendall said, trying to do paperwork, can't get things to match. And, you know, and they're so grateful, like, or, you know, insurance truncation and things like that is like, oh, it's not matching it with our day portal and that. And it could be just one slight thing that a second set of eyes is great to have. Um, so after that, you know, we hold sales meetings. Um, it's constantly not only training the business managers, but, you know, I have a particular store. It's just reminders, right? You sit with every salesperson, you know, how are you liking this? Are you getting what you need out of it from the finance office? Setting the expectations for the sales team to be able to properly turn over their deals to the F&I office. That's a huge part of what we do as well, along with, you know, as Kendall mentioned, you know, we are available and you said that, you know, we can go in on Saturday morning meetings when they have their big rah-rahs and we're included in it and to get them pumped and motivated, just a reminder, right? Just a fresh new face to come in. So they're not hearing the same thing from, you know, everybody else that sounds like a broken record. And it's like letting us get them pumped and motivated as well, which gets us excited too. Right. So um, everyone needs that motivation on a Saturday morning meeting and let's go sell some cars. Right. So um our our typical training it varies so often but it's pretty structured of how we do things i i think that i think that i think that's super cool i mean i think getting right into 
the thick of it, getting into the dirt and, uh, you know, really treating, you know, the F&I department as a holistic approach to the cell. Um, you know, I hate to say it, but as an industry, we're pretty successful about silo creating we're creating silos in our in our business. It's like you have the F and I department, and then you have the sales team, and then you have the service team, and then you have the parts team. And you know, if they weren't under one roof, they would probably be at each other's throats. I mean, the F and I manager, you know, doesn't typically like the sales people. The sales people doesn't like the F and I manager. The used car manager wants to punch the service manager. You know, but I think it's super cool. I mean, it's true, right? You've seen that happen. Um, I know I have. I know I have. It is true. Yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> but it's cool that you guys take that approach. That like this is not this, um, um, you know, last kick at the can, which I hate to say it. But most dealerships treat F&I as the last kick of the can to make a little more money, right? And, you know, by bringing in that sales team, then you're kind of, you're taking F&I and you're creating kind of a, a holistic uh, approach to it. It's not just something that happens the end. It's got to happen you know, in the beginning and it has to happen somewhere kind of in between. And then it also kind of happens at the end. And I find that's what real, the, the dealerships that execute that are really, truly successful uh, with their F&I efforts. And I'm sure you guys probably see the exact same thing. Um, you know, Kendall, for yourself, you know, what does that typical day of development look like for you? You know, it, it does vary. Um, I, you know, I think Zoe mentioned that we generally have a plan going in. So, you know, we check our report from the month before to see what kind of homework we assigned in areas of opportunities. But as we all know, walking into a dealership, things can blow up extremely quickly. So you may have a plan, but uh, we need to be flexible. But there's definitely the basics that always need to happen. So each department gets a visit. So you're going to go to accounting, you're going to go to parts, you're going to go to service. Of course, always sit down with the sales managers and or the dealer principal if you get the chance just to, you know, talk to them, see if they're seeing anything that they want you to touch on. Um, and I mean, the best kind of development day for us is turnovers. So if we walk in and there's four or five turnovers that day, you can bet we're going to be sitting in on them and or taking them um, with our business managers shadowing us. So yeah, there's definitely basics that we always need to stick to. Um, the one thing that we find very beneficial is doing deal audits. So if we have an hour or two to ourselves, you know, if it's a lunch break or, or whatever the case is, we can go up and ask to go through, you know, 10 deals each from each business manager. Because they're going to tell you they're doing their menu, their disclosure and their visual closes, but you know, the proof is in their actual files. So we just tend to make notes of what we're seeing and, and what we're not seeing. Um, try to talk to them about the positive first and then of course the areas of opportunities. So yeah, there's definitely a lot of things we try to accomplish in one day, but of course there's always those top three or four that you need to make sure you get done. Oh, oh for sure. I mean, I, I think that makes a big difference when you kind of take from you know that that approach to you know to a day. But but I find that with with training it's that that ongoing conversation you know like i I've been through a, diff a bunch of different training programs and i feel like when when you kind of go in like the energy levels go up right 
Like they just, this guy rocket. And, you know, I find the employees for the first week or so are kind of riding on that cloud nine. And then I kind of see it progressively start to just kind of get back to where it is kind of normal. And, and I find that the key of that is kind of the, you know, that, that contact with that business manager or that dealership. And, you know, it's, it's not just the once a month visit. It's, you know, how, how do you got, I'm curious for you guys, you know, are you in contact with, the, with the dealership on a regular basis? And what does that look like? Uh, Zoe, I'll start with you. 100%. Our phone doesn't stop. Whether it is, it's not just a nine to five job, Jason, like it's all the time. I've had a call at midnight. I've had, you know, one o'clock in the morning that they just had too many wobbly pops and they just wanted to reach out to say, hey, right? So it's, it's all constant, whether it's phone, but we also, you know, reach out to them more several times on a month too, right? So we're, we're going through the menus in our portal, our Dave system, as well as, and we're sending them positive vibes. You know, I know Kendall and I both do this quite often and they get a great deal in a home run or whatever the case may be. And we'll say, great job. Is that a great, a good deal? Or they'll bounce ideas, whether it is or it isn't, right? So them knowing that we just don't walk out of the store and that's it. We'll see you in a month and you never hear from us again. But that constant contact uh, contact with them with, you know, emails, phone, it doesn't matter. I've had business managers that call me on a Saturday and a Sunday as well too, right? And, and you know, joke with you, oh, I'm, I'm shocked you actually answered. And I'm like, well, it's because I like you, that's why. <laughs> You know, but you know, it's just, it's having that rapport that they know they can count on us because trust us, we've all been in the business and there's many times that you have, you know, your uh, reps and stuff that you just can't get a hold of. Yes, we do get busy and we'll get back them in a timely manner. But the fact is, is that we have, you know, expectations of ourselves that we need to get back to that store within, you know, a few hours or if we go on vacation, we have a timeline on our, you know, outlook that, you know, we've stepped out of the office, but they can always get someone a hold of us in our team, our zone, our head office. Um, we're all available anytime. I, I think it's really cool that you guys kind of create that, that team effort. I mean, you know, you're, you're, you're coaching and, and which actually, I think for a lot of programs that I've been through and I've uh, had the opportunity to consume, um, it's actually one of the lacking points. It's like, we'll do the training. So we train on the activities required to get to the results that we want to get to, right? Then we'll develop the individual, all right, in those activities so that they can execute at a higher level and that our ratios continue to increase. But then I find that coaching element, that just that that high five, you know, way to go, you know, they, hey, don't worry. That one didn't quite go the way you wanted, but hey, there's another one coming. You know, it's like that, that 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 coaching element I think is missed in a lot of programs. So I'm so excited to hear that that's kind of a, just a normal part of what you guys do. I mean, Kendall, I'm kind of curious for you. You know, is is it similar to Zoe? Do do you kind of have that same type of contact with the business managers and the dealers? Absolutely. Um, like I mentioned earlier, her and I work very similar similar to each other. Um, and it gets to the point where when we're checking in with them, you know, on an every other night, every three days basis, sending them screenshots of a deal they took, whether we're saying like, hey, great job, or hey, I noticed you didn't offer life insurance to this customer, and they were eligible. 
Um, it just it just goes to show that we are out there and watching, but it gets to the point where if we don't email them quick enough with a great deal, they're sending us a text saying, hey, did you see that deal? Why haven't you emailed me yet? You know, so that and that definitely makes you smile and, and knows that your relationship it is there with them. Um, because and the other side of that, too, is if you do look at, you know, they had four deals one day and, and they didn't get sell any product on any of them. Just reaching out to say, hey, it looks like you had a tough day. You know, don't forget to keep your head up tomorrow. It's going to come back, you know, read your book, go back to basics, that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, there's a huge coaching aspect to it. And uh, sometimes, you know, lightly telling them that they did something incorrectly or that they should try a different way. They also do appreciate. So, yes, definitely checking their deals and, and checking in with the dealer as well. If, if we see something, a pattern happening throughout the month, checking in with them midway through the month to say, hey, I'm noticing this is going on. I'd like to come in and have a quick meeting before we get to the end of the month and the whole month is blown, right? So it's, um, of course, we're in, we do speak with our business managers much more, but we also have that relationship with our, our dealer principals and our sales managers to say, hey, let's nip this in the bud before it becomes a bigger deal than it already is. And that kind of goes back to kind of what we we're talking about earlier. It's just that accountability, right? I mean, look, mm -hmm. a, a good coach, you know, should be able to say, hey, man, you, you knocked that out of the park, maybe even better than I could have. That was amazing. You know, but at the same time, the good coach should also be able to feed up some positive um, criticism in a way that it comes out of like, hey, you just screwed that one up. What the hell are you doing? Get back in there and do it again. No, but it should be in a way of like, hey, there's an opportunity with every failure. Let's take a look at that opportunity. And I find you know good coaches naturally do that. So it's awesome that you guys take that approach. Now, no, I do training and consulting, you know, for dealerships on their operations level, and uh, boy, I will tell you this. Being able to communicate via video like this has changed that so much. Um, you know, before I, I was a road warrior. I, I did five, 8,000 kilometers a month, you know, but I was only able to do kind of so much at a time, right? Now, because everyone is so comfortable communicating and engaging in this type of format, I feel like I'm just way way more slammed and busy than i ever been for you you know beforehand so i'm actually kind of curious for you guys like is this kind of the same thing for you as a trainer you know what is what is your training schedule you know look like for you and so I, i'm curious to uh, from you and then kendall ask you the same question well it can be all over the place at times um i'm a very structured person so i always like to know what's going on what's happening i'm very like all my ducks in a row but again you know with all the COVID-19 and everything that's going on right now, um, it, it can be tough, right? Because I do have a couple of stores that they're not comfortable with us coming in yet. So where this training of the Zoom, FaceTime, whatever apps that also we all feel comfortable with, which is, you know, our team, we all feel comfortable with Zoom. We've been doing meetings throughout this whole duration every day almost. Um, so we're good there. But, you know, the other aspect of, certain business managers, you know, may, you know, technology, they may not be up. So, you know, we walk them through that process, not a problem. We're on the telephone. So even though some stores may not want us there, we're still there. Um, and it's amazing aspect that we're all using this technology as well too. So everybody had majority, I shouldn't say everybody, majority of everybody has a cell phone. So all our business managers, everybody we know has a cell phone. 
So there's a way that you can contact through video or showing them or, you know, when they call us too, right? I had a business manager that couldn't get their insurances on their DMS system to match. I said, show me your screen, right? Go on live. Let's walk through it together. It's a particular store that I can't physically be in there, but it's okay. And we'll walk through it together, right? So that is huge. It's huge. It is. You know what? As an industry, you know, we've had to adapt to technology faster in the last three months than we probably have in the last 30 years combined. But I do applaud our industry because I think as an industry, we've actually done a pretty darn good job of adopting that, not just, you know, for our staff, uh, but also for our customers as well. I mean, uh, Kendall, I'm curious for you, you know, as a trainer, because <laughs> I know we're all real busy right now, you know, what, what does this schedule look like for you? Absolutely. So, I mean, pre-COVID, we'll talk, we'll start there. Uh, generally, I try to build my schedule. So a half of my stores I have on the exact same day of the month, every month. So whether it's the third Wednesday, second Tuesday, and then the other 50%, I kind of keep open just in case something comes up like, hey, we need you to do a two-day fill-in or, hey, you need to go to this store for an emergency or something like that. Um, again, it's just that whole being flexible type thing and knowing that you could wake up in the morning and your day could completely change. So as structured as we all like to be, we also have to be able to, you know, just go with what comes thrown at us. With COVID hitting, uh, definitely the, the virtual the virtual side of things definitely opened up a lot of windows for us. Um, I mean, I can even say that I had a good 12 business managers that were actually laid off during COVID, but still came on a Zoom call with me once a week. And we would, we would do some training for an hour. So it just goes to show that they were continuously looking to learn more and not get, you know, stuck being at home, not doing anything, right? Because you get a little bit stale when you're not, when you're not practicing. So that was really awesome. And again, like Zoe said, you know, for some of them, it was a bit more difficult to get them on, but we were just patient and we got them on. And then once we finished the training session, they loved it. So yeah. And it's nice to be able to do check-ins. Um, you know, we can use do virtual check-ins now versus having to be in the stores you know, our stores are pretty good with us coming back in now. They want the training, they want the development, but you know, we're still in a pandemic. So we, we still have to tread lightly and still get the job done. So it's, it's definitely different. You know, I have seen, you know, during the pandemic is um, the cream really does rise to the top. You know what I mean? And I, I'm sure you guys are seeing it as well through your training and coaching. I know I've seen it through mine is, is the people that are really leaning in and engaging versus the ones that just kind of sat back, stuck, you know, put their heads in the sand and just went la, 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 la until this whole thing is over, right? And, you know, I, I think for a lot of dealerships out there, they're beginning to see that, you know, they're, they're looking at their team and they, they've, over the past few months, really started to identify certain team members that maybe they didn't know before, but really stepped it up and just, you know, jumped, jumped up and said, whatever needs to be done, I'll be doing it. You know what, I may be at home, but that doesn't mean I'm going to stop my development efforts. You know, I'm going to continue to develop. So that, that is really cool. And it, it, you're right. I mean, Zoe, you're right. This technology, it's allowed us to be able to do that. 
Oh gosh, guys, it's, I know it's getting towards the end of our time today. I'm sure we could probably jam about this a little bit longer. Hours. I know, right? <laughs> Hours, um, yes. This is absolutely. what happens when you get a bunch of trainers, you know, in the same room and yeah. we just keep chatting forever. But you know what? I do have one more question though, before I let you go. And it's my favorite question. So, and I prepped you guys before we started this. So I have big expectations. <laughs> <laughs> no, pressure. Know, no pressure at all right <laughs> but zoe i'll start with you all right if you could change one thing in our industry all right what would it be and why okay so that's a huge question but with me and what i've done is i would love to have everybody who works in the dealership do each other's job And the reason being is I learned a lot from working in different departments and understanding the background of why we do what we do. So, you know, there's a reason why accounting needs, you know, the finance office to match their numbers. There's a reason why service department needs the the work orders to be correct when a business manager sends it out. So there's a reason why, you know, the big chief at the top, you know, needs increase of of volume whether it's you know for per vehicle average and so to you know put the lights on in the store so we all have a job so i would wish that we could all shadow each other in the different sectors of a of a fine or not just the finance office and the whole dealership atmosphere and the for the communication of it all to understand why everyone does each other's job no i i think that's that's totally right i mean it's i think going through that experience, right? I mean, I did that, you know, before I became a dealer principal. I intentionally took, you know, pay cuts sometimes just so that I could work at different aspects of the business because I knew what my ultimate goal and objective was, right? And, and, but man, that opened up my eyes from an operations perspective in a huge way of, you know, why someone was always upset about this particular thing or why they needed this document and why that document didn't match this other document. So no, I'm with you, Zoe. I think that'd be really helpful. In fact, I do know some dealerships and actually some dealer groups that do participate in kind of that methodology of when they bring someone in they try to get that person to kind of work multiple positions you know so they get a good feeling you know for what everyone's having to go through that's a great one zoe all right kendall you're up here um if you could change one thing in our industry what would it be and why so i'm sure you've heard one very much like this but i would just like to change the reputation behind the business office and the stigma that's attached to it you know, so many times we often hear when the salesperson's giving us the two minute drill before a turnover. Oh, they already said they don't want to come in here and they don't want to buy anything and they never buy anything in there and this, this and that. And I think, you know, even speaking to family and friends about it, I often say, well, what do we sell in there? And they don't know. Right. So it's just, it's such an educational as much as yes, we are selling. There's so much education behind it and the products that we offer and why we offer them and how they can protect customers. But unfortunately, I do believe that some customers go in there not wanting to hear anything. So they're not actually listening to what the business manager is offering. So therefore it's an automatic no when really it could benefit them. So I just wish we could take the stigma away from, you know, going into the box is the term that we always hear. Um, well, that's probably one of the reasons why there's a stigma. Why the hell do we call it a box? Exactly. Like it's, it sounds frightening, right? So that's my biggest thing because I think if we could make it a place, a happier place, um, we would get more customers actually listening and understanding what we're offering and, you know, maybe even be able to sell a little bit more. 
No, I, I, I'm, I'm 100% with you on this. Um, there is a big stigma. And, you know, look, as an industry, it's the way we treated the F&I department, right? You know, we kind of talked about it a little earlier on how we, we, we for the longest time, we treated the F&I department as the last kick of the can, you know, to increase the profitability of every transaction. But, you know, I'm sure you guys have seen this, and I know I've seen this, is that the most successful dealerships out there with F&I, um, you know, take that more holistic approach, kind of the way you guys are training and developing, is that, you know, this is not something that, you know, isn't at the end, uh, kick of the can or whatever. It's, it, no, it's something that gets injected throughout the entire sales process. And I find the dealerships that don't treat the F&I department as a silo, but really as collective effort with the sales team, those are the ones where the customer will feel it as well, right? You know, it's just like, mm -hmm. this is a part of the entire transaction is, you know, the protective, the protecting this large purchase that I'm ultimately going to be buying. Um, but when we leave it at the end and it's just, it feels so disconnected, you know? And it's like, you're bouncing around a lot. I mean, think about it, you know, the customer right now has to deal with almost like four different people before they make a purchase, right? You have the, the BDC person, the internet person, and then you got the, the sales person, then you got the sales manager, and then you got the, the F&I manager and that, that's a lot, you know, and we, we know through relationship selling is how we make those connections. But when you're trying to create that many relationships with that many people, I think something's got to give. You can tell Kendall, I'm totally on, on par with you on this one. It kind <laughs> yeah, of it gets to me a little bit. I'm just like, no, I'm with you. We got to change that stigma for sure. Well, yeah. you know, Ladies, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, jam with me today. This has been a ton of fun. Uh, but before I let you go, though, for everyone out there that's listening, watching right now, and would love to connect with you and kind of follow along and learn more about what you guys do, what is the best way to do so? Zoe, I'll start with you. Um, best way to contact me would be zoe.anthony at sym-tech.ca or my uh, work cell phone number at 416-550-6967. Awesome. I like, you know, I love when people put their cell phone numbers out there. I mean, you want to talk about confidence. It's like, yeah, just give me a call. call <laughs> That's me. perfect. That's I'm kind of here for you. <laughs> hey, Kendall, for yourself, what's the best way to connect with you? Yeah. So same as Zoe. I mean, you can definitely reach me by email, which is kendall.bilby at sim-tech.ca. Cell phone as well, if you'd like, uh, 1-647-393-6469. And then, of course, LinkedIn. I'm always on LinkedIn, so shoot me a message on there and uh, I'll definitely get back to you. Awesome. Hey, ladies, thank you so much for jamming with me today. This has been a ton of fun. You guys have yourself an amazing day. Thanks, Jason. Thank you, Jason.